I want you to think with me tonight for a few minutes about troubles and trials and difficulties of life. As I was praying the last, uh, last few days about what God would have us to think about tonight, this came my, my attention that so many people are in trouble and trials and difficulties and st storms of life. So many people are almost bombarded with all the things that happen in their life. And because of that, and we'll think about that tonight, many have made all kinds of decisions about, in fact, there's some that are not serving God today. There's some that closed their Bible, put it, put it aside and said, I'm, I'm, never doing, I'm never praying again, never talking to God again. Oh, why, because, why? Because this thing happened in my life, some dark storm, something happened in their life. So we're to think tonight about that. What, can, what should I do? What can I do? How can I get secure when storms of life come? Because they do come. Difficulties in life come. Things in life will come, and difficulties, difficult hours, darkness. One of my favorite chapters is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Can I invite you to turn there? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I've given you a couple other verses at the top of your notes, but you can look at those later. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have the Apostle Paul talking to us about difficulties and trials and troubles that came into his life, what happened in his life. And beginning with verse number 1 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And then he talks about... The, some of the things that happened in his life. Skip down to verse number seven, if you would. In verse number seven, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's he talking about? He's talking about the person of Christ, the treasure of Christ we have in this earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Then he said, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed, and we're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are already delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Skip down now to verse number 16. He says, For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We talked some we spent some time this morning thinking about how we can renew our inward man. Many times we give in to the troubles and trials and difficulties because the inward man is not strong. We've, talked about the, we've thought about the Bible being the food for our soul and the importance of that. And he said in verse number 17, he said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I think this is a secret. Look at verse number 18. I, I believe this is a secret. While we look not at things which are seen. That's what we normally do, isn't it? We look at the things that are seen, that which we can see, that which is going on. But it's the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So what do I do when storms and difficulties of life come? You have those. We all have those. For us, you know, we're going along and in life and seem like everything is wonderful and all of a sudden you walk into the doctor's office and the doctor says and he, he introduces you to a new life storms of life coming many times believers get discouraged they quit they give up they don't do anything other times we're, and we're going to see what happens to them let's think for a few moments about what happens when uh, 
when storms come? What are some of the promises that we can claim and we can see in the Word of God? Some of the promises that we can claim and we see that one would be that God gives joy. God gives joy. The, the Bible says joy comes in the morning. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be telling jokes and jumping up and down and laughing and hollering. But the joy, the peace of God which passes all understanding. I, I refer to this as the mysterious, miraculous work of God. When we can be in the hospital room and we can know that this may be, the, may be it, but we can have the joy, the joy in our heart. That comes from God. I often wonder, what do people do that don't know the Lord? When it comes to difficulties and trials and problems, troubles in life, we can remember that joy comes from God. He gives the joy. Remember what Paul and Silas did at midnight? They weren't mourning, going and complaining. They were singing, praising God. I came to Psalm this morning. Psalm 145, on through the end of the book, and was thinking about the importance of praising God. Oftentimes we don't do this, remembering all the things that God has done. That's, what, that's where the joy comes from. Do you have joy in the Lord? Joy in the Lord is not because everything goes wonderful, because all of us have hmm, something wrong. Your foot hurts, your toe hurts, your head hurts, something hurts got bills to pay, got kids that are doing something. So we, well, but, but joy comes as God, so God gives that. So God gives joy. Some of the promises we can remember. Another promise that we can well remember is that God hears our cries. He hears our cries. The Lord, the scripture says in Psalm 34, says, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. He hears our cries. He shows himself strong on behalf of those. Do you pray? You know, I've discovered that a lot of Christians don't pray. They don't really pray. A few seconds of prayer. Someone asked me some time ago, does it mean how long you pray? I think so, yes. But we often don't pray. But we have an answer in Scripture that God hears our cries. He hears our cries. You cry out to him. I must confess I must tell you that I stood at our window there at the camp and looked out the window. It was dark. And I said to God, I don't get it. I don't understand. What are you doing? You know, what is going on? But I knew that God hear, heard that cry. Now, we, we often want God to answer our prayer right now. Did you ever notice that we wanted God to answer prayer by Tuesday at 10 o'clock? And we usually tell him that. God, now I need this Tuesday at 10 or whatever the day is. And he says, um, I don't, he doesn't even respond. It, it, it seems like he doesn't even hear us because he knows what's best. He knows what's best for us. He knows what will bring honor and glory to him. But he does hear our cry. We can also be assured that he will restore us. He'll restore us. He restores us with strength. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, their mount of the wings as eagles that run and not be weary, they'll walk and not faint. You ever been playing just tired out? If I understand my Bible correctly, God gives what only he can give to those who wait upon him. When we think we can't go on, he then restores us. 
The scripture says that we're supposed to be a light in this dark world. Are you a light in this dark world? One of the things that will make a difference in this dark world is if you and I continue on. Even when it looks like, from a human perspective, it may all be over. The Bible says that he will restore us. He'll restore you. It's a great, also a great reminder to know that uh, God knows the way. You remember that song we used to sing with the kids? My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. It's great to know he knows the way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm reminded again about shepherds, how they take care of their sheep and how their sheep, how their sheep know the voice of the shepherd. They know when it's time to come in. All the shepherd has to do is raise his voice just a little bit, and they know, because the she- they know the shepherd knows the way. Well, someone might ask the question then, well, why does God then allow storms and trials to come? Why does God allow these things to happen? Some people come along and say, well, okay, enough with God. If he's going to be that way, then I'm done with him. But I think we ought to think a little bit about why does God then allow that? Now, we'll never know all the answers to why God allows this. Some would often say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this question. When we get to heaven and look at him, it won't make any difference. But we can try to answer some of those from the scripture. Why does God allow that? Well, maybe to refine us. To refine us. Areas that need to be changed or fixed in our life. How's your attitude? How's your mind? How are your words? How's your behavior? God knows what is best. Once in a while we say to our children, do this. We don't explain to them why they ought to do this. But we know that the reason we're having them do this is because we need to get this done in their life. We need to get this area fixed. I'm sure my dad, when he said, go out and do this, he didn't have in mind just this getting done. He had in mind, he was going to do something in my life. So God may allow troubles and trials and sorrows in your life to, to do some refining that needs to be done, be done in your life. It is possible that God would also allow some things to come into your life, and we'll put it there, we go, to strengthen us, to strengthen us. Scripture says, fear not, I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. So God allows things to come into our life to strengthen us. So we have difficulties and trials come into our life. We think they're going to destroy us, but they actually are making us stronger. So it strengthens us. It's possible he would bring those things into our life to teach us something. To teach us something. Maybe there's something he wants to teach us. Lessons in faith. Lessons in our money. Lessons about our health. Lessons in how we're supposed to respond to others. Lessons about ministry. But God trying to teach us something. I went on my computer one day. I was thinking about teaching. And I thought, oh, I wonder how many, how many different ways there are to teach. And I discovered in that particular set of answers that they had given a hundred different teaching lessons. So God may be a hundred different ways in your life and my life to teach us something that needs that he wants to teach us. It, it may be that God demonst- allows things to come into our life to demonstrate his power. To demonstrate his power. Scripture says, to the glory of God. 
Others see God working in your life and in mine. And it demonstrates his power. And then they're drawn to him. Everything that takes place in your life and in my life, we're supposed to be lights in this dark world. We're supposed to be drawing people to Christ, not to us. But they see what's happening in us and see what, what's taking place. And so they're drawn to him through us. He may be using that thing in your life to demonstrate his power. A friend of mine, who discovered, a relative of mine, he discovered they had, he had leukemia just a few months ago. So he's been through all kinds of treatment. N near death, I think. But every, almost every time we get a report from them, it talks about something about the nurses and the doctors notice this. So God was using, God is using them to get his message to nurses and doctors and multitude of other people. So God may allow some things to come into your life to teach other people, to demonstrate his power to someone else through what he's going to do in your life. It is possible that God will allow some things to come in your life to stop you, whoops, let's back up there, stop you from wrong actions. Many people, I've had many people tell me that God did this thing in my life, or this allowed this to happen, this thing, to change my ways. Because I was going this way, and God allowed this to happen, or brought this into my life, and it stopped me. So possible, there's some wrong actions in your life. Maybe it's, your wrong, maybe it's the wrong thing you're doing with your life. Maybe it's the wrong investment you make. Maybe it's the wrong behavior. But God uses those things to stop wrong actions. So I think we ought to stop often and ask, why is God bringing these things to my life? Why does he do these things? Maybe it's to get my attention. So we can see things. Now, did you read what Paul said in this, in this passage? He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temple, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Every once in a while, we have to do certain things to get our kids' attention. In the drama just a few minutes ago, um, the parents had to do some things to get the attention of the kids. Once in a while, we have to even grab the woman. Can I grab hold of you? Absolutely. We have to grab hold of you. Pay attention to me. Well, so I think sometimes God has to do that to us. He has to get a hold of us, to get our attention. Be because of what we're doing, how we're living, how we're responding. As we have these storms in our life, there are certain responses that a person could have and does have to these. Let's think about some of the possible responses to storms. Sometimes the possible re response to the storm and the troubles and trials and difficulty in our life is that we become overwhelmed Discouraged, distressed, depressed, and ready to quit. I was reading recently, and the author said, and he's probably right, he said, most of life is uphill. Most of life is uphill. It's difficulties, trials, troubles. But sometimes the possible response is the person says, it's just too much, I can't handle it anymore. I quit. You ever hear people say, I quit God? Well, how do they quit God? Why do they quit God? Because the storms, difficulties, and trials. So it is possible to re respond that way. Sometimes a person responds with anger. 
And they become angry with God and angry with people and angry with circumstances. And they just have an angry spirit and all the time they're just angry. So they respond in anger. Which then is the grounds for a lot of other things to take place. Sometimes they respond, as they respond, in, in questioning God. Question God. God, why do you allow this to happen to me? Why does this happen to me? Why don't you, you know, and we, we question God. It's really not a matter of questioning God. I think it's more to condemning God. When they condemn God. Then the, the many that turn from God. Stop reading the Bible. Stop praying. Stop going to church. It, it appears to me like the best thing we should do and we can do if we have troubles and trials and difficulties, get with the right people and let them rub off on us and fellowship with them. But often when they don't, they stop reading the Bible, stop praying, stop going to church, stop living for God. And of course that develops into a bad attitude, a bad attitude. That bad attitude, often people ask me, what's the biggest problem in the church? I don't know, but it appears like one of the, big, one of the problems in the church is attitude. Someone said attitude is the little thing that makes a big difference. But many times people develop the bad attitude because of what God, what's God, what God has allowed or brought into their life. We have had to come up with one or two conclusions. Either God brought this or he allowed this, or he's not God. It's one of the two. So if God allowed it or he brought it, then there's a reason for that. All things work together for good. Do them that love God, them that call according to his purpose, the scripture says. And some of those things are difficult things. Some of the other possible responses to storms are, you know, there, there's some other, uh, just draw a line here on your outline. We kind of made a little mistake here. Uh, there's a other, another way to respond to these things, and that is thankfulness. Be thankful. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. A thankful spirit. It's easy to thank God when lots of money and the health is good and no, nothing that's pressing on us. It's easy to be thankful. In fact, it's easy to condemn other people who are not. <laughs> but we can respond in thankfulness. Are you responding in thankfulness? I think I suggested this morning that it would be good for us to sit down, write down a list of all things we ought to be thankful for. Think about all things that you have. All things, ways that God has blessed you. So we can be thankful. We, we, we could respond by learning some lessons. What is the lesson does God have me to learn? What is God trying to teach me? Is God trying to teach me about my finances? Is he trying to teach me about my money? Is he trying to teach me about my behavior? What is God trying to teach me? All of us are in class. And God trying to teach you something. He's trying to teach me something. In that class, it's not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's tough. But what is God trying to teach me? And then make the changes. What, what is God trying to change you about? What is he working on you to change? So I learned some lessons. 
It, it may be that we could respond in spiritual growth. And we ought to. We ought to grow spiritually. We ought to grow spiritually. How does this help me? It helps me to mature as a believer. So I can grow spiritually. So the great question would be then, how do I survive in the storms? How do I survive in the storms? What do I do to get by in the storms? And, and nobody waits. We're all, we're all every, well, not everybody, but many people are excited about March Madness. Not me either, but <laughs> I'm not really sure God cares either. So, but in fact, I'm quite sure he doesn't. But, uh, but I tell you one thing about those coaches, about those teams. They didn't wait until March Madness Day to prepare. They've been working on this for years and years and years and months and months and months. And months. They've been working on this for a long time. Nobody waits until the challenge comes and then they start preparing. Oftentimes that's what we do though, don't we? We wait until a difficult hour comes. Then we grab our Bible. Say, where's my Bible? Where's my Bible? Put me on the prayer list. Put me on the prayer list. Instead of preparing on a regular basis for this. The winner, the person that already comes out ahead, prepares in advance. So let's think about what we should do. How can we survive the storms of life? We can pray for God's help and God's wisdom. The scripture says, if you, don't, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Go to God, pray. Are you praying for wisdom? Are you praying? Are you trusting God? I think one of the problems with the American Christian is we don't need God for anything. So we don't ask. But we need wisdom. We need to pray for God's help and God's wisdom. If, if we're going to survive the storms, we need to pray for understanding. The Lord has promised that he will enlighten our way in the darkness. In other words, what we need to do is we need to see it from God's perspective. But we only see it from our perspective. So we pray for wisdom. God, do a work in my life so I can see this thing from your perspective. And back to that verse number 18, so that we can see things from an eternal perspective. And God does open our eyes. We, we need to pray for understanding. We need to pray for wisdom. We need to pray that God would do that. We need to fill our mind. Now, we're talking about how we're going to survive difficulties and trials and storms. We're going to fill our mind with praise and thanks to God. How do you do this? You read the Bible. You read your word. The Christian life is not magic. It is a obedient Disciplined response to what God says in his word. So we ought to respond that way. To fill our mind with it. Read the word. Listen to spiritually uplifting music and things that would build our inner person. Our inner man. We fill our mind with almost everything today, don't we? Except for praise to God. Thanks to God. Things of God. Things that would really make a difference. We ought to fill our mind with the right thing. We ought to, as we do that, we want to cultivate a merry heart. Now we're talking about how can I survive the storms of life? What can I do? Well, you could move up on a mountain and hope that you don't have any problems up there. But you probably will. It'll probably snow up there. Or something will happen up on the mountain. 
could move to, you know, some people, their way of solving problems is they move someplace else. That doesn't solve any problems. Let's handle this. Let's look at this thing. Maybe God is trying to change you. Maybe he's trying to change me. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Are you cultivating a merry heart? If you cultivate a merry heart, you're cultivating a heart. Now, we're talking, not talking about the thing that pumps blood. We're talking about inner person now. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Are you, are you cultivating that? You cultivate it by reading the word of God. You cultivate it by being a trusty Lord. You cultivate it by praying to God. You cultivate it by thinking the right thoughts. You cultivate it by investing in other people. That's how you cultivate a merry heart. I believe it was Oswald Chambers that said, most of what happens to us does not happen to us for us, but for what we can do for other people as we invest in them. It, a merry heart. Don't you enjoy being around people that are merry and happy and a joyful spirit? Doesn't mean we're telling jokes all the time, but it does mean we can cultivate a merry heart. If we're going to survive the troubles and trials and difficulties of life, we need to cultivate a merry heart. And then as we, we talked about it this morning, but let's re review it just a little bit tonight again. We need to anchor our mind and heart in the book. Secure our mind and our heart and our life in this book. Troubles, trials, difficulties, storms, whatever you want to call them. Storms, obviously storms are... Unusual events and things that come into your life unexpectedly, you can't plan for them. Most people don't plan for a storm. I mean, we don't, we don't schedule them. We don't think, oh, next Tuesday at 3 o'clock, it'll be a good time for a storm. But they come. So they come unexpectedly. It's part of life. It's part of what God is doing in us. Even the most dedicated and the most sincere and the most outstanding Christians have troubles and trials and storms. But what it makes a difference is how you and I respond to that. Many years ago, when I was going through one of, the, one of those, the old evangelist came to our house for supper. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. And I remember when I walked out of his car with him, he said this to me. He's about this high. And so when he poked me, he was poking me here. He said, don't forget in the dark what you knew was true in the light. So there will be dark hours. There will be storm hours. There will be difficult times. But the same truth that was true in the light is true in the dark. Same God. God is the same yesterday today and forever. And probably you have a list of things that we, I would call miracles. I have a miracle list. I believe God can and will do those miracles. As we walk in obedience to him, let's be careful that in the hours of storm and difficulty that we don't become a, a blight <coughs> instead of a blessing. The song we used to say, if this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. may not be a big light, but it's a light. And let your light shine. And prove to the world 
that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he does walk with us in the dark hours. When my parents used to make me go outside at night to get something from the garage, I never liked the darkness. But if, my, if they gave me a flashlight or my dad would walk with me, it made all the difference. Your God has promised to walk with you through the dark hours. And you can be a light in a dark world to your friends, your neighbors, and those that are watching you as the way you respond to what God is doing in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, I have no idea what the people in this auditorium possibly are going through tonight. But you do. And you knew what we ought to think about tonight. I want to concentrate on draw our thoughts and our minds to you. So Lord, I thank you for the fact that I, I know that you know everybody and what they're going through. Pray tonight that they realize that your grace is sufficient for every hour. There is a reason, even though in our human eyes we may not see it, but there is a reason. May they trust you in this hour. In the quietness of this moment, it would be my joy to be able to pray with you. I wonder how many to be honest. You see, I'm, I'm going through a dark hour of my life right now. A challenging time. And I just wish I knew somebody was praying with me. Be my joy, even though I don't know what, you, what it is. It would be my joy to be able to pray with you about that. And I, I don't want to embarrass you so there's no one looking around. So... But if that's where you are tonight, you say, please pray for me. I'm going through a dark hour right now. If that's where you are, would you just slip your hand up so I can know and be able to pray with you? Thank you. I thank you. I appreciate you being honest. Others say, pray for me. I'm, I'm going through a dark hour right now, dark, darkness in my life, a storm in my life. I'm not really sure where and what to do next. So I know God, that's not a question. I know Christ is my personal Savior. That's already been established in my life. But it's a dark hour. Lord, I do pray for these folks that are going through darkness now, difficulties, trials, troubles. I, I pray, Lord, that they trust you. I pray that they learn their lesson or the lessons that you're bringing to their attention. I pray that they trust you in a new and unique, fresh way as they go through this time of their life. Lord, we're so grateful tonight that there is a way. You do know the way. Thank you for the word of God. He gives us instruction on what to do, even in difficult hours. Lord, I, I do pray if there's one here tonight that does not know you, in a personal way, tonight, they realize that you love them. Lord died on the cross for their sin, conquered the grave in death, and is living today and wants to make them a new person if they would just 
trust in him. Lord, for all of us at College House Believers, may our life be a visible demonstration to the world that you're alive, you're well, you do hear prayer. You do and give us courage and strength to go on. May that be the way that we live before others each day. Ask, Lord, that you continue to bless the ministry here. Give wisdom, direction, all that's done here. Lord, I pray that in the next few days, they continue to team shares and as Jimmy comes that you would bless that, that time in a very special way. The hearts and lives would be changed. And for that, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.